Where are you calling from today? I am in St. Petersburg, Florida. Oh, nice. I was going to say, it's really hot here today, but it's probably hot there too. <laughs> Hi, I'm Janessa McKenzie, the brand new man, and I help entrepreneurs gain the mindset, messaging, and visibility to unapologetically show up and build their brands. So how do you build your brand from the inside out? This is the Elevate Podcast. Hey, Elevators. Are you ready to attract the dream clients that are all in making sales easy and fun? Hell yes, you are. I want to help you stop feeling these four ways. And I want you to start getting clients and getting cash. So if you're ready to stop feeling like your ideal client is as elusive as a normal coffee order at Starbucks, like, am I right? And stop feeling like you're not doing enough because you're looking at what everyone else is doing and trying all of those things, like overwhelmed much. I also want you to stop feeling like you're missing something because everyone else is having success, but everything you've done hasn't worked, like WTF. And I also want you to stop feeling like you landed in an old Western ghost town when you post content or create an offer. Like, can I get some engagement, please? So at the end of July, July 27th, July 29th, and July 31st, I am hosting a free three-day next level client attraction challenge. And you can join at www.thebrandmaven.net slash pl slash 190817. I know, weird, right? But it's all linked up in all of these show notes. So go click on that link and join us. Hey everyone, welcome to the Elevate Podcast. I am here today with Bethany Dotson. She is a relationship coach and a yogi. Now she's going to tell you more about that um, right now. Bethany, welcome. How are you? I'm great, Janessa. Thank you for having me. Um, so yes, I'm a yogi, uh, also a relationship coach. Technically, I'm a yoga therapist, although many people don't know what that is or know that that even exists. But it's basically just a a yoga teacher who has like a master's level education in working with people specifically on the issues in their tissues, things like anxiety, depression complex post-traumatic stress disorder, um, all of the things that we tend to repress Mm. in our life. So I work, I help people overcome those obstacles that tend to show up in relationships, primarily relation, conflicted relationships, relationship struggles, attracting the wrong people, getting into codependency. Mm. So I help people overcome that by, a mind-body methodology. Awesome. Yeah. So that could be a really great, like, call tag. I help you with the issues in your tissues. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. You for said sure. that. I was like, oh. <laughs> for sure. Remember, not that it is anything to laugh about the issues in the tissues. It was just when you said it, I was like, oh, that's, like, the perfect little tagline right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, I know a lot of massage therapists um, do that. And I don't know if you practice yoga or if you've ever done yoga. Um, but, you know, a lot of times uh, when I was teaching public yoga classes, I would have 
students come to me and they're like, why am I emotional in this pose? And this is something that I experienced personally when I was, you know, studying and, and doing my practice. And um, so it's, you know, as a society, we tend to avoid things that are uncomfortable and soften our problems. And we develop, you know, convenient coping strategies like getting back on dating apps after a toxic breakup, um, drinking a little bit too much, re-idealizing a toxic partner. Um, and those are all just kind of ways to avoid dealing with painful feelings. And so the more that we avoid our, our demons, the more that we avoid releasing and, and um, feeling into those feelings, the more we perpetuate a toxic pattern. Um, this is I gonna- actually did all of those things. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a lot of people have. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I probably could use a good, you know, yoga stretch, emotional release type of a thing myself. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you know, a lot of people, um, you know, I feel like, and not to get too too off topic into just yoga, but you know, I feel like a lot of people have a um, a misperception of what yoga really is, just by the westernized version of it. And you know, skinny women in Lululemon pants doing all these like bendy flexy moves. Not that there's anything wrong with that necessarily, but. Um, that's really not the, the purest essence of yoga and, and the purest essence of yoga. The true meaning of it is to get back to your higher identity, to get back to the divine or some people call it God. Some people call it infinite intelligence, that that higher source within you. And most yeah. people, most people don't realize it. They, they start to experience a little bit of an awakening. They start to feel a shift in their life when they start practicing, when they, they start um, committing to that journey, but they're not really sure what that is. And it's just a remembering of who they really are. And so that's at the very core foundation of what I help people do. I help people remember who they are inherently, their power, their potential, their worth, um, that they're inherently lovable, um, that all of those things have been buried under a mountain of false beliefs stories, trauma, things like that. Yeah. I, I actually, I have, a, so I don't practice yoga all the time. I have done yoga, but I am not, you know, a consistent practicer of yoga. Of yoga. Sure, sure. So, <laughs> but uh, a really good friend of mine is a yogi and she teaches yoga classes. And so some of the things that you are saying do you know ring true with me like I have I have you know felt that like oh why do I feel like just I'm either emotional or just almost exhausted in like you know afterwards sometimes Mm -hmm. where you just you know you just don't you're like what the heck I thought this was supposed to energize me and it's and I feel like I want to fall off a cliff (laughs) yeah well that's that's interesting you know I think um 
there's different yoga for different people. Mm. And a lot of, you know, we're such a, I, I used to teach in Los Angeles and Los Angeles to me, that's fast paced. I know to people like in the Northeast, LA might be not so fast paced as New York or Boston, for example. But um, when I taught in LA and I usually find that this is true in bigger cities, the, the culture of people is just kind of like, go, 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 go. And most of the styles of yoga that become popular meet people where they are. They meet people in their anxiety mindset because that's where they're living all the time. And so a lot of yoga tends to be very physically exerting, which is fine. Um, it, you know, it, you work up a sweat, you do feel exhausted because you've just done a million sun salutations in one hour um, to the point of exhaustion. But what I found, you know, in my, in my, in my almost 20 years of doing yoga and then studying for 10 is that, you know, some, it can also be an avoidance tactic. Mm-hmm. Um, people can miss, uh, miss the bigger picture by overexerting themselves on their mats. Um, they, the same unhealthy patterns. If so, just as an example, if someone has unhealthy boundaries in their life, they're always saying yes to people when they really mean no. Um, they're always, uh, overextending themselves. They ignore red flags. Like it's going out of style Mm -hmm. though. That same pattern tends to show up in their physical body and in their yoga practice. They push themselves past their limit. They injure themselves. Um, they don't breathe properly. So I've found just in my experience, the same things that show up in your life show up in your body, show up in the way that you move your body. So it's, it's pretty fascinating. Hmm. That is fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. And the, I, the yoga that I had, you know, done with, with my friend was relaxing, like, you know, like slop off the day type of yoga where you're, you know, kind of centering back in and really like letting go of all the crap of the day and you know, all of those things. Yeah. And even, you know, even that kind of yoga can, can be exhausting to a certain, you know, if, if you're letting go of energy, that's not yours. If you're letting go of stagnant energy, you know, some people are so conditioned, it becomes an unconscious habit to just go, go, go that they, you know, finding an hour to do nothing is, doesn't happen very often. And so people often don't realize how overextended they are or exhausted they are until they take a moment to do nothing for an hour, you know? Yeah. And then they're like, what, what just happened? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) totally. Totally. Like I just did you know, not that you did nothing for an hour either because you did do things. Exactly. But it's just different than what you're normally used to, which is the go, 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 go. And now you're trying to actually focus on yourself, which is, you know, that's how many people do that. Like there are more and more people doing that now. 
Mm-hmm. But there are definitely, you know, a lot of people that haven't gotten to that point yet where they're like, oh, I, I don't even know what that means right now. You know, I didn't even, I didn't even know I could do that because I, there was a time I didn't know I could do that either. Yeah, I do feel, um, I, I find it's very, very common, especially with the people that I work with. Um, they are doers. They're, they're, I would say type A, like high achieving people, overachievers, slightly perfectionistic, um, and giving themselves permission to, to not do anything. There's so many stories and beliefs that people have that they, in order to accomplish something, you have to be doing and working so hard. And, um, and a lot of times what's underneath all of that at the very foundation is there's some kind of belief that if they don't do that, then they're not worthy or there's some kind of lack mentality going on underneath that surface. Yeah. Um, that they're just like, they're, they're failing because they're not, quote unquote, busy. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And the irony, or I don't know if it's the irony, but the, 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 the thing that I see again and again and again is people continue to fail. And especially just from in relate from a relationship standpoint, um, most people that we work with, um, they take that same overachieving mentality behavior and oftentimes this is like an unconscious thing this is like just what they do they don't they they realize maybe something is off but like you said before you know they don't give themselves the opportunity to do less um and they get into relationships with with people who are underachievers they tend to attract the opposite energy spectrum people who are you know, emotionally unavailable, emotionally abusive. And then they take that, they apply that same doing mentality to fix someone else, to help someone else, to work really hard at trying to, to make the relationship work, dragging him to counseling, all these things. And, um, and they're met with failure after failure after failure. So I find that the thing that we avoid, we, we perpetuate again and again. Yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> very interesting. Mm-hmm. So when you see that in your clients, so not on the yoga mat, but when you see that with relationship clients, how do yeah. you help them? So I get them uh, to slow down first. So I do incorporate uh, yoga with my relationship clients. Some clients have a yoga practice, um, but I do incorporate mind body work in my relationship clients. Um, also just not just to, you know, help them stretch and to slow down, but a lot of people that I work with also have, um, some kind of trauma. Mm. So it could be some childhood trauma. It could be trauma from a past abusive relationship and trauma, uh, wires the brain in a certain pattern and it makes it more difficult for people to recognize what's happening in their body. So they actually become more prone to ignoring warning signs. They don't trust themselves and they, they don't trust their intuition. They're not sure if that's their intuition, if they're overreacting. And so I see, I work with a lot of people that are in this like rock between a hard place position, um, and that's just due to, to past trauma and the imprints of that on their, their psychology. So 
the mind-body piece helps them develop what's called interoceptive awareness, which is this ability to kind of zoom out and see yourself doing the thing that you always do and, and help them make a different choice. Um, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of research, um, just the, the school that I, I trained with for my yoga therapy certification. Um, there's a lot of up and coming research on neuroplasticity and yoga and mindfulness. Mm-hmm. And so the yoga that I do with my relationship clients isn't about let's open your hips and stretch. It's more about <laughs> let's change your brain programming. Let's, let's build some new neural pathways here. Yeah. Um, let's, let's deprogram the fight or flight response. Let's deprogram that tra- traumatic imprint um, in your brain. That's influencing your emotions. That's influencing your brain, vice versa, and um, help you reprogram in some healthier emotions and healthier behavior. Mm-hmm. So I do that from a mind body perspective using some yoga and meditation, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, it, it does to me. Um, no. Are there, do you, um, do you have to understand what their trauma is before you do this? Like, do, do they have to understand what their trauma is? They don't necessarily. Um, most of them do understand what their trauma is. Um, They've, they've been to counseling. They, they know that they were, you know, abused in a past relationship or some kind of childhood neglect or childhood abuse. Mm-hmm. I do need to know what their trauma is because there's a certain, unfortunately, um, there's a certain threshold in which I am comfortable working with and comfortable and confident that I can get somebody a result. Yeah. When the trauma is so much that they then have a diagnosis such as borderline personality disorder, bipolar disorder, they're schizophrenic, those diagnoses tend to, not all the time, but especially with bipolar and BPD, tend to be go all the way back to some kind of trauma in someone's childhood. And so when it gets to that point where it's progressed, you know, they're manic or, or things like that, I, it's just beyond my scope of practice. Um, but I do need to know, like, you know, the extent and the severity. And if someone's working, you know, if it's, if it's pretty moderate to severe and they're on medication, I always make sure that um, they have support from a psychiatrist or psychologist, because some of the work, most of the work that we do um, can tend to bring up some flashbacks, some memories, things like that, that they've repressed over a long period of time. And it's not necessarily a negative thing, but it's just a process of releasing that. Um, Yeah. 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 I've heard that, you know, your brain will show you or present to you, like, here's, here's the problem. And you have all the tools you need to solve it right now, even if you don't think you do, you do. So when that comes up again, you know, like through your work with you or through anything, really, I mean, it can happen really anytime. And it doesn't even necessarily have to be trauma. It could be like, a you know, some type of a limiting belief or yeah, something like that. And it, and if you're, you know, your brain stores all these things that you're you weren't ready to deal with then 
Right, right. And, you know, I, I, I personally feel that relationships are really the greatest yoga practice because, um, you know, you can, you can do so much work on yourself. And I see people do this a lot. And, you know, I've personally done this a lot. Um, and, and take a lot of time off from dating or relationships and just spend a whole bunch of time focusing on themselves. Mm-hmm. And uh, the moment they get back into dating, they attract the same thing. Yeah. Fall back into the same pattern. And it's just because the relationship piece often is the most triggering for people. Um, intimate relationships are super vulnerable. They bring up all of our fear and insecurity and crazy sides and all of the stuff that we haven't dealt with, you know, and you can only meditate so much and work on yourself so much and rehash your childhood with your counselor so much. But the true practice is in relationship. Mm. And, you know, we, we, we attract the same thing again and again and again until we choose differently. And so we choose differently. And I find that so many people will attract the same thing and it's, it's all, it's like an addiction. Um, they get addicted emotionally to that dynamic. They get addicted to the drama. They get addicted to the on again, off again. They, and choosing differently is hard. It's challenging. It's super uncomfortable, especially when someone's in the throes of an emotionally peak experience, which you can't get much higher than falling in love with someone. Right. And when people get swept off their feet, their love is blind. People get blinded. Right. And, and they, they, they go out the window, like all of their faculties, they, they're, you know, their reasoning, logic, everything goes out the window. And, you know, it's the, the, um, the, the test, the true test is being willing to choose the right but hard thing when that pattern is presented to you again. Yeah. Um, and and know that, and know that that's, it's the same pattern. Yeah. Yeah. And we see a lot of people who recognize it's the same pattern, but gosh, they can't help themselves and they just go right back into it. Yeah. Um, and so we really help, we really help, you know, women heal all of the negative ramifications from repeating that pattern, which oftentimes is low self-worth, lack of comp, they beat themselves up pervasively. They're always thinking what's wrong with them. They feel defective. They feel like damaged goods. So we really help heal that piece. But then we really help them shorten that time where, you know, if she relapses, okay, we relapsed, but we didn't spend three years there. We didn't spend two months there. We spent a week there and then we got out. Right. Yeah. And, so, and we, we, we really help her do the right but hard thing. So she's not, she doesn't give up her emotional well being um, for the wrong person. Yeah. Yeah. So talk to us about how, you know, those making those choices in the wrong way. I mean, I think we all kind of know how making those choices in the wrong way <laughs> are going to derail our career, our emotional health, physical and financial health, right? Because Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, 
The, I would say, and I've heard this said before, that toxic relationships are more addictive than heroin. They're more addictive than meth. They're, you know, and falling in love, our brain produces the same hormones and chemicals that a drug addict develops when he gets high. And so the, the pleasure centers in our brain get super activated and um, in a toxic relationship, just like in a drug addiction, there's a behavioral pattern that happens called intermittent reinforcement. And this is the, what makes it so challenging and what makes it so addictive is that, that um, and this is, you know, behind the domestic violence wheel or the, the cycle of abuse wheel where there's the honeymoon period, then the tension building phase, and then the explosive argument and the honeymoon period, tension building phase, explosive argument, makeup period, honeymoon period. And so we go through cycles like that. And that inconsistency develops a really powerful addiction um, called intermittent reinforcement. So when people get stuck in that, we see people, um, it causes them to question their intuition. It causes them to question whether they can trust themselves. They, they, we oftentimes see people taking the blame for the problems in the relationship when they're clearly with an emotional abuser who's gaslighting her. Yeah. Um, it, she misses out on work. She starts drinking more. She gives up her life. We see women who are super high achieving and their life is going great and she's making a lot of money and she's super focused at work and she's taking care of her kids. And then all of a sudden she meets this guy on match and they've got this instant. Whenever somebody says, I, I just knew right away, it was an instant connection. I immediately know it's a bad sign. <laughs> I immediately know it's a bad sign. Because that instant connection happens and, you know, oftentimes she overlooks the fact that he just lost his job and he's 30K in credit card debt and he doesn't talk to his kids because they hate him. And she overlooks all of these things and, oh, that time, you know, his ex-wife filed a um, restraining order against him because he was being abusive. And so they just they, they gloss over all of the, the red flags and they end up losing money. Oftentimes they lose their job. Um, it's, it's really, it's really sad. And then they, they, the stress, the anxiety from walking on eggshells on a daily basis. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to where they knew, they knew, they didn't know exactly what it was, but they sensed that something was wrong right away. Mm. Like within the first conversation first two or three days knowing this person and then they spend three and a half years with this person. And every day it's a, it's a low level anxiety. Their fight or flight response is triggered and they actually get addicted to that dynamic. But because they're constantly in a low level stress response, their body produces cortisol. I, th I think I read one time it takes three to five days for your heart to return back to a normal state after a stressful event. Three to five days. Wow. Three to five days. And people have cortisol in their, in their bloodstream after a fight, after a big fight, after, you know, some unhealthy thing happened, after she caught him, you know, cheating, whatever. That's a stressful event. Mm -hmm. It takes up to five days for that 
to go out of your system. And so we see a lot of women who come to us and they've got things like IBS, they've got fibromyalgia, they've had reproductive um, issues, they've developed uterine fibroids, endometriosis, they've got skin problems, they've got digestive disorders, they've got autoimmune things happening, they don't sleep well, I mean, all kinds of stuff. And um, it's because of being constantly stressed. Yes. It reminds me of that um, documentary on Netflix. I don't know if you've seen it. It's called Heal. I haven't. Oh, you should watch it. It's amazing. It's it's really about healing yourself with your mind. Yes. Yes. Blew my mind when I watched it. So go watch that. I I don't want to ruin it for you, but it's really, really good. Um, yeah. And talking about that pattern, you know, that, what do you say? Honeymoon phase, how say, what were the three again? Honeymoon phase. I think there's really four technically. It's a honeymoon phase. Yeah. Tension building phase. This is usually like the devaluing period where, and, and this is, this can kind of, this happens to like in a normal healthy relationship when you start to realize your partner leaves this dirty underwear on the floor or whatever. Yeah. Like the normal stupid crap that we get irritated with. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But there's um, tension building phase. Then that leads to a big argument, a big fight. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's the makeup period. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Back into the honeymoon phase. Yeah. And you know, when you said that that pattern is addicting, yeah. it's like, it's like once they move out of that, like honeymoon phase or the, you know, uh, apologizing phase at the end where, you know, their makeup, the makeup phase and they're back into the tension building. It's like, Oh, I, I have to go through these two other things now to get back to that feeling really good phase again. Yeah. And you know, I'm not, I don't know if people are really aware. No, I'm sure they're not. That's what's happening. And most of the time we find women because the cognitive dissonance, meaning what they thought they were getting into and who this person really is, is so starkly different Mm. that they don't want to believe it. It's like, I don't know if you, you hear those news stories where like the neighbor next door murders his family and you're like, Oh my God, I can't believe that. He seemed like the nicest guy. Nice guy. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like blindsided that this happened. It's the same thing in, in a toxic relationship. And one of, one of the things I'll never forget this. I read this one time. It was in a British publication, a social worker in the UK who ran like a domestic violence agency said that the number one thing women come in and say time and time again was that he seemed like such the, he was like the nicest guy. He seemed like the nicest guy. And then six months later, they're being beaten, you know? Yeah. And they're like, what the hell just happened? Yeah. I don't even know what happened. And 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 then they think they did something wrong. So they just try to, now they're like, oh, well now I just need to be better. Yes, yes, yes. We see, and this is where we see people taking too much responsibility because she doesn't want to believe it because the high of the honeymoon period was so amazing. Mm. She like make, she wants to avoid the pain and this comes back to avoiding pain and we perpetuate what we, 
what we avoid, she avoids that pain by minimizing and by making excuses for his behavior, by taking the blame, by saying this will be the last time, he won't do it again. Um, because at the end of the day, she desperately wants to get back to the honeymoon period. We see a lot of times this triggers codependency in women. They develop codependency if they weren't already codependent, mm -hmm. meaning they're like, okay, well, I'm just going to try to fix him so we can get back to the yeah. honeymoon period. And that never works. Right. Because they can't fix anybody. Right. Right. The person they can fix is themselves. Yes. 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 And we see, we see a lot of, we see a lot of people um, even long after, and this is, this is really what's tragic. We see people long after they've left a toxic relationship, they are still victimized by it. And, and, you know, the, I think there are like seven stages of healing or something like that after, after a traumatic event and being a victim to the event is a healthy, normal phase of healing. Yeah. But after three to five years, we see a lot of people who remain victimized to the event and they never learn how to take their power back. Yeah. And they, they let that, they let that event derail their future even further. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I know that, you know, you work a lot with women that have been in, you know, either abusive relationships emotionally or verbally, physically, what other types of, you know, traumas and it doesn't get it. Let's try some lesser traumas. Like maybe. Yeah. 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 <laughs> what are some traumas that are, you know, not earth shattering, but still affect us in a way that, you know, can hurt the, hurt our future. Mm. You know, I think, um, you know, some lesser traumas that, that I've seen, you know, tend to stem back from childhood and this doesn't, you know, she may not have had a necessarily abusive childhood, but, Maybe she had a parent who was really hard on her or really wanted her to get good grades or wanted her to like uh, meant the best, but didn't be the best, be like, the best. Well, be the best. but meant, meant to like help them, but didn't realize that they were not helping them. Right, 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 right. Um, or bullying. Like, do you see that at all? Like, kids getting like that they got bullied when they were younger i do i do see that um i see um yeah and i find i find that that can um imprint a belief of i have to work hard or else i'm a failure so it's just kind of like black and white thinking yeah um yeah 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 so i mean you know parents are parents do what they learned from their parents most of the time, mm -hmm. you know, not all of the time. Some of, you know, there are people that have been in really crappy childhoods that are the greatest parent. Like, you know, you're like, Oh my gosh, how did you even, <laughs> how did you even become this, this good of a parent? Because you were, your childhood was crap. You know what I mean? Yeah. That that's amazing to me. I, I love, obviously we love those stories. You know, those are great stories. 
Yeah. But that those limiting beliefs or that like imprint or that thing that could have given you, you know, that low self-esteem or self-worth or whatever it was could have been something as stupid as like something somebody said in passing, like a stranger. Yeah. Like, like it could have been, you know, I don't know. Like when I was, I, so I was born like in the seventies. Right. So like late seventies, early eighties, there were still old school grandmas back then. Right. Yeah. They did not mince words, you know, <laughs> <laughs> they just didn't, you know, like they told you how it was. Mm-hmm. So, and I was, you know, I was always a chunky kid. So, you know, I remember like one of my grandmother's friends or something came over there playing cards or whatever, probably drinking gin. I God only knows, you know? Yeah. But, um, you know, she was like, like grabbed my side, like not grabbed it, but like pinched, you know, my love handle, you know, when I was probably like, I don't know, 12 or 13 or something in that awkward stage anyway. delicate age. Yeah. And she was like, Oh, look, a spare tire. And I will never (gasps) ever forget her saying that. And she didn't mean anything bad. Like it's just who she was. She didn't know. You know what I mean? Like she didn't realize it, but I will never forget it. And you know, like, like things like that, something that was totally meant not to hurt your feelings or make you feel bad or change the trajectory of your life. But right. it can be something that simple, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. I would say, most sadly, we we tend to deal with, with more of the heavier trauma stuff. Yeah. Um, but the limiting, yeah, something that leaves a mark mm-hmm. is, like, in passing, as simple and as innocuous and unassuming can definitely... Um, definitely leave a mark. We see a lot of people who have body, um, like body related shame. Mm -hmm. Um, they don't feel comfortable in their body. And oftentimes that stems, you know, not necessarily back to past abuse or neglect, but just back to, you know, something like you mentioned, like a little small moment. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it doesn't take much, you know, like, So, which is why I'm always saying, like, think before you speak, because you just don't know what what is gonna, you know, I mean, always be kind, obviously, the kinder you are, the better trajectory you can send somebody on, you know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think that's a great philosophy to live by. Um, I would, I would say to that, too, is that, you know, we're all human, Mm-hmm. And we all mess up and we all say things that we shouldn't mean. And we all, we all have bad days and we all show up in a way that, you know, isn't in, in our best and isn't in the best for other people. And they probably feel that. Yeah. Um, but I feel that it's also a good rule of thumb to not, I, the four agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz, number yeah. one is don't ever take anything personally. Goodness. Is that easier said than done? Yes. But, <laughs> but you know, the, and this is something that we help people do as well is to not make a meaning out of anything, yeah. not create a story, 
around it, not take it personally. Um, And so we can save ourselves a lot of suffering when we can put that into practice. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, all those, the feelings that we get, like the fear, the judgment, the imposter syndrome, the, all of those things that I know are prevalent in entrepreneurs, oh, especially, yeah. especially women. I'm sure men, you know, feel the same way. We just don't hear about it yeah. <laughs> as much from men, right? Right, right. <laughs> um, but yeah, all of those things are like, when I heard this, this, this really blew my mind too. So like your feelings and the feeling that you have in your body when you have fear or imposter syndrome, or you're just feeling that whatever it is, is energy moving in your body in a certain way. Yeah. And the only reason it is called fear, imposter syndrome, judgment, self-worth, blah, 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 is because of what you tell yourself that feeling is. Yes. 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 Mm Mm-hmm which blew my mind the first time I heard it. I'm like, what? (laughs) Because fear and excitement have the same feeling. Right. I know. I know. (laughs) And and there are people, and this comes, you know, back to the kind of low self-worth, sabotaging yourself kind of a thing. You know, we, we find, and I personally done this is that people get confused when they actually start, and this is true in entrepreneurship as well. People start getting confused. The moment they get close to their goal, they like, instead of getting excited, it's like they get confused and get fearful and like, Oh my gosh, Oh my gosh. And immediately start thinking of what could go wrong. Yes. 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 (laughs) It's like fear of success without even meaning it. Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So true because that happened to me too. I was like, you know, going, 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 like momentum's building and all these things, awesome things are happening. And I'm like, oh, I, I don't know. Uh, I'm just going to stop. I'm going to take a break for a while. But, you know, yeah. Like, you know, without even know, realizing why I was doing it. And then, you know, uh, and then when you do that, obviously that momentum stops and it slows down and things, you know, people, there are so many other people out there that, you know, you, it's easy for you to get lost in the shuffle of things, unless you're standing the hell out online and you're showing up and you're being true to yourself and you're, you know, being bold. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're, you know, if you stop, it doesn't mean you can't take a break. Like, yes, we don't work till our eyes bleed that my audience has heard me say that a million times. We do not work till our eyes bleed. We have to put work in up front to to get the benefits later on but it doesn't we don't work till our eyes bleed forever ever ever right 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 right. you know Uh, i have um i i do think that that's true and i've heard people say just in my own like um mastermind group that you know there are gonna be times when you have to hustle you're just gonna have to you're gonna have to stay up late there are just gonna be times when that's the period and that's you know, that's the period that you're in, in that moment. Um, and it doesn't last forever, but then, you know, I often, I often see people that 
And I have people like this in my circle that um, they don't seem to do a whole lot. They have fun. Um, they, they spend a lot of time on mindset, believe it or not. They spend a lot of time on feeling the desired effect, feeling the goal before it's happened. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they get a sales call or an enrollment call that's a pay in full that came out of nowhere. Yeah. And, you know, and they didn't, they didn't have to show up in 15 Facebook groups and do a bunch of stuff and go live and do all the blah, 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 blah. You know, they just sat with it for a little while. So, yeah. you know, I think. But you still have to take action though. There are still actions that action. have to be taken. Of course, of course, yeah. of course. So, but, you know, we can sit and feel, and, and that's amazing. I think that's amazing. And you should do that. You should feel like you already have it. Mm-hmm. Like sit with yourself and say, you know, how, who am I when I already have this? Who am I being when I already have this? Yeah. And feel that like you already do have it. Yes, I totally. I mean, that changes your energy. That changes the trajectory. The universe, you know, is like, oh, okay, she wants that. You know, yeah. so we're gonna find ways to give her that now. And. And I totally believe in in that. Absolutely. I also believe that you cannot sit on your couch and manifest a Lamborghini in your right, 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 right. Yeah. So you know, maybe you don't show up in fifteen Facebook groups, but you're showing up in a couple. Yes, (laughs) you know, you're you're doing that fifteen minutes of something every day for somebody to see you, to resonate with you, to say, hey. I really like you and I'm going to follow you and I want to pay you. I want, I want to work with you. Like you have to do something to do that. Right. 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 So, and I, you know, I am all about the mindset, like love, love, love mindset. And I love the human brain. I love the way it works. Like, or at least what we know. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, and, And you know, all of that, like, so all of the things that we talked about today were, you know, I mean, like, those things blow my mind. The human body is just mind blowing. Yes. Yes. The human condition is mind blowing. And, um, years before I was a yoga therapist and a relationship coach, I was an actor and I got into acting because I love the human condition. Mm. I loved, you know, the human experience, our life, you know, what we experience here on earth and all the stuff that we go through. And, um, so I just get to do that in a, in a different form now. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah. And I, you know, do you, so uh, we're, is, since we're kind of on the woo path right here, yeah. I'm going to ask you a question if, if that's okay. Yeah. Awesome. So do you f- believe that, you know, our higher consciousness, spirit, energy, however somebody wants to define that, has chosen this path that we're on right now to have a human experience and like chose, okay, here's what I want to do. And here's what I think I need to learn this time around. So we're going to choose this life right here. I do. I do believe that. I do believe that there are lessons that, we're meant to learn in this lifetime. And um, I do believe that 
depending on what we choose in this lifetime and depending on how we show up, mm-hmm. we can maybe advance to a different level or a different experience in another lifetime. Yeah, the next time around. The next time around, yes, yes, yes. I don't know. Do you, re- do you wish that you could, you knew what your past lives were, like, consciously? I had some, I had, I had a psychic intuitive tell me once and it it did make a little bit of sense. Um, It did make sense. Uh, I don't know. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, but if we came here, like with, with the consciousness of our previous life experiences. Oh, it'd be ruined. You you think so? Yeah, Yeah. it'd be be like, you know, wanting to go into what is the test that you have to take in high school to get into college, one of the SAT or the ACT. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they they tell you that you date the practice test and you get like mock questions It kind of be like doing that, I think, with with life. But you you. I believe that we're all meant to experience what we're meant to experience, that nothing is lost, nothing is wasted. And it's only wasted when people choose to waste it, when people choose to waste the lesson. Agreed. Awesome. That was an awesome conversation. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I love it when we go down the woo rabbit hole. Uh-huh. Love, love the woo rabbit hole. <laughs> Bethany, thank you so much for sharing all of your expertise. This was great and eye-opening. I'm hoping, I mean, for me and for our audience, I'm hoping that, you know, they definitely got something out of this. I'm sure that they did. I don't know how you can't. <laughs> of course. Of course. Yeah. It was my honor. I'm happy to share. So tell everyone how they can find you. So you can find me on Facebook, um, personal page, business page. I also have a Facebook group for high achieving women mm-hmm. who are wanting to attract healthy love. So you can just search the groups and um, type in attract healthy love and mine will, will show up. You can also find me at bethanydotson.com and I have a free masterclass on the five shifts you need to make in order to break your toxic pattern in relationships. Awesome. And yeah, I'm trying to get more visible on Instagram, but it's a, it's a project. So Facebook and Facebook is kind of my big home right now. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, like we were talking about before, it's that like five minutes of action. In- I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Purposeful action, not Purposeful. just scrolling action. Purposeful action. Purposeful action. Aligned action. I know. All right, Bethany, thank you again. And anyone listening, please screenshot listening to this episode. Tag Bethany and I in Instagram and let us know what you thought about this episode and ask any questions in our DMs. We are always available and love to answer your questions. What do I have going on? Anything good? Just come join me in my Facebook group. Next Level You, Badass Business Babes building powerful brands. I'll see you there. Have a good one.